I didn't know what that looked like because the church I grew up in, I only saw men in the pulpit. But at the back of the church, there was pictures of all the different missionaries around the world that the church would send money to. And there was one single woman that was like in Africa somewhere. And I thought, well, if a woman could go to Africa and preach and be a missionary, so maybe I'm called to be a missionary. So that's how I went through high school. Well, then I ended up getting married. I ended up marrying the pastor's son of a church nearby. And I thought, well, this is great. His family's in ministry. I'll do ministry with them. And I was 18 and dumb. Has anybody ever made dumb decisions when you're 18? Okay, I'm not alone, right? Well, six years later, unfortunately, I found myself divorced with two kids And I'll be honest with you, in that moment, I thought, I'll never do ministry again, right? Not only am I a woman now, still, right? That didn't change. (laughs) But now I'm a divorced woman, right? So there's nothing there for me. So I just just loved the Lord. I'd go to church every Sunday. I would, you know, minister to my friends. I remember one lady was an atheist and thought I wouldn't talk to her, go out to get pizza with her because she was atheist. And I'm like, why would I not go out with you because you're an atheist? Six years of just being her friend, I remember this day so clearly. We were taking a drive one day, and she accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. I was so excited. So I was ministering to the people around me, but not, like, in any formal way. And so uh, I met Todd, my knight in shining armor, my love of my life. He's amazing. And I thought, well, this is amazing. I'm just going to be a stay-at-home mom now, first time my whole life. I worked, like, three jobs when he met me like full-time jobs, and was going to school part-time. So I've always been a hard worker. And I married him. He's like, you can just be a stay-at-home mom, just love on the kids. So I started, and we moved to Bay City the year we got married. So we're in this new town. And I have to tell you, this was a big city. Like, I had a panic attack driving here because I was like, oh, my gosh. They've got, like, ten stoplights on one street. I mean, that was a big deal. The town I grew up in, we had two stoplights in the entire town. And then I had moved to this tiny little village when I was married to my first husband, and we had two blinking lights in the entire town. And then we moved to Bay City. I kept telling him, the big city, oh, my gosh, the big city. I would literally, he'd go to work, I'd drop the kids off to school, and I would just drive. I would literally drive all the roads. I drove all over Bay City. I figured out, I had to know, that that eased my anxiety, right, of not knowing where I'm going, by knowing. We'd be going somewhere, and he'd be driving, and he'd be taking a left, and I'd be like, ah, and then I'd be real quiet, and he goes, how do we get there? I'm like, you're supposed to take a right, you know? <laughs> it's like, because I had drove, driven all the roads. So anyway, I'm here in Bay City. I am volunteering in the kids' school, and I'm driving one day in the car, and I hear about the Good Samaritan Rescue Mission. I end up taking a tour. I end up doing fundraisers for the mission, and I feel like that we just need to tell everybody about this place and how amazing it's changing people's lives. And I begin these annual fundraisers. Meanwhile, I'm a perpetual student, and I love to learn. Our church was offering classes on homiletics. What is homiletics? The art of preaching. I'm just taking the class just to take the class. I have nowhere I'm going to preach. I wasn't preaching anywhere. Never even preached, you know, other than Bible studies when I was back in high school. It's not like I was, like, preaching and needed to take this class to be better. Instead, I was just taking it to take it. And at the end of the class, they said... If you ever need to practice preaching, go to the nursing homes because they're always looking for chaplains to come in and people to come in and preach. And I, self-righteous, prideful person I was, 
course, I'm perfect now. I'm not, you know, self-righteous or perfect like that anyway. But I raised my hand up, and I was like, not only do they need people to preach at the nursing homes, but at the Good Samaritan Rescue Mission, because they would have chapel ten times a week at that time. And he's like, oh, yep, 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 I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. And I'm driving home, and the Lord is like, you told all of those people to go preach at the Good Samaritan Rescue Mission, but you won't go there and preach. And I was like, I don't want to preach. Like, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to go in there. I'm going to hear the stories of why they're there, and my, I'm going to feel so bad, and I'm not going to be able to handle it. Like, no, God, I'm not going to do that. Right? Isn't God amazing how, like, he just tells us one thing, and we can't stop thinking about it? He was like, I've told you you'd preach to thousands. And I'm like, yeah, 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 but when I'm at my girlfriend's houses or somebody's doing a Bible study, and they're like, wow, I didn't know you knew, you know, because I would explain things. And I would tell them, oh, God told me when I was young I was going to preach to thousands, but I told them I'll just do it one at a time, and one day I'll hit a thousand people that I've shared the gospel with. And he was like, you keep saying that, but I said you're going to preach to thousands. Go to the mission and preach. Oh, you guys, it was bad that first time I went there. It was really bad. There was maybe 12 people there. It was a morning session. I found a chair. I pulled it over, and I found a music stand, and I moved it just so perfect so it was covering my face so nobody could see my face. And I put what I had written out, and I just sat there, and I read the whole thing. I was done within 10 minutes. I was supposed to preach for 30, and I told them they could all go. That was my first time preaching in my adult life, was me sitting there, reading something so scared. I was just so scared. And I thought, okay, I did it once. That's good, right? And God's like, now go back again next week. Go back again next week. Go back again next week. So anyway, I did that for week after week after week. And then I started getting invited to go, you know, be the keynote speaker at a women's conference or go be a keynote speaker at a pro-life event or go do these things. And, um, Various things took me all over the world. I've been up on a stage in Rome. I've been on the radio in Colorado for a national syndicated radio show. And, like, I began going all over preaching and sharing God's word in different ways. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm preaching to thousands. Literally, there are thousands of people that have heard me all over the world. And that's enough, right? That's, that's all you've called me to do. But I kept seeing people coming back to the mission, and I kept asking questions and finding out that here in Bay City, we have a lot of gaps. So when I read the book about a dream center and what a dream center does, I thought, all right, Lord, one day when I have a lot of money, I'll go to Detroit and I'll make a dream center. And I felt like God was saying, if you can't do it in your own hometown, you're never going to go do it in a big city where you know nobody. And I was like, all right. So we started a group of people. I handed out the books. They came, like, let's do a dream center. I thought, we'll just make a community center. It's not going to be a church. Bay City has enough churches. I'll go and talk to all the pastors and get them to support what we're doing. They'll send volunteers. They'll send money. It'll be a community effort. And I went and I knocked on doors and had doors slammed in my face over and over and over again. I was so frustrated. I was like, Lord, I give up. I quit. And God was like, I want you to preach and pastor a church, and they're going to be the core people that give and volunteer, and these will be the people that share the knowledge of this Dream Center to the community. And I told God he was crazy, and I didn't believe in what he was saying to me, and I slammed my Bible, my journal shut, and I put it on a shelf, and I didn't talk to him for nine months. Like, I was mad. <laughs> I'm being real. Can I be real? 
Because God softened my heart. Have you ever, like, made a decision and then, you know, nine months later realized that was a wrong decision? Maybe I shouldn't, you know, yell at God and tell him that he's crazy because maybe he's not crazy. So I began to pray about it after the end of the nine months. And I said, okay, Lord, I got my whole list of reasons why this isn't going to happen. But number one, you got to, first of all, you've got to provide a place. You've got to provide a worship leader. You've got to provide somebody to watch the kids. And then I will preach. Because he told me I needed to preach weekly. And the people that came would be the core people that helped us create the church. So I said, okay. I said, because you're God, and I have to know this is you, I'm not going to ask anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody. So I needed a place for free to preach weekly. I needed a worship leader, and I needed somebody to help with the kids. So the first person that heard God's voice was Pastor Nicole. Everyone say, yay, Pastor Nicole. I get a phone call from her one day, and she says, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why, but I just every time I pray, I see you preaching somewhere, and God keeps saying that you need somebody to lead worship. So... Whatever that is, when that happens, let me know, and I will come lead worship. I was like, shut up. She break into my house last night and read my journals. Like, seriously. Like, I had told no one. I hadn't even told my husband at this point what God was putting on my heart to do. I was like, oh, yeah, that's real nice. Yeah, that's probably never going to happen. But thanks for calling. Right? Bye. Click. I'm like, whatever, God. That's only one out of three. Like, couple weeks after that, I go to this harvest party at a church in Essexville. Now, mind you, I had been using their lobby on Thursday mornings or Tuesday mornings, whatever mornings it was, to lead a Bible study for a group of ladies who didn't even attend that church. The only person that attended that Bible study that was part of that church was the church secretary. And um, we had all gone to this harvest party, so I hadn't met any of these other people. And this man walks up to me I'd never met before, and he says, are you that lady that leads the Bible study on such and such day? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he goes, well, we'd like to offer the community a Sunday night service, but we don't want to ask our pastor to lead it because he's starting to get older and he's going to retire. So we want to know if you would leave the Sunday night service. And you can just rent the building for us for free, and whatever you want to do, you can bring in whoever you want for the, ch- or for the worship. And the only catch is, he said, is a bunch of the ladies here at the church would love to do the children's ministry, if you don't mind, to do the Sunday school downstairs for the kids while you adults use the sanctuary. I was like, what? Like, what church finds some random person that doesn't even attend there and says, hey, would you like to use our building? Oh, and we'll do the children's ministry for you. But this was God, folks. So I had to go home and be like, um, Todd, God told me to preach every week. <laughs> and he's provided a worship leader that I didn't even ask. He's provided a building I didn't even ask for. And he's provided children's ministry that I didn't even ask. Why well, ask God for them? And God answers prayers, doesn't he? So that began the Great Lakes Dream Center as you see it today. At that point, we had had a nonprofit, a 501c3, and we would go into neighborhoods and clean them up, and, and we would help single moms and different people with utility bills when we could. And we had raised money to have a Dream Center, but we didn't have anything beyond that. And so we began meeting weekly. And God just did some amazing miracles during that time. We had three different people healed from cancer during that year. 
Amen. Isn't that awesome? We had all kinds of miracles happen. I would preach every single week. We had these core people that would come week after week after week. And finally, when the time came where, I mean, we would have just stayed there forever because it was free rent, right? We didn't have to worry about if the boiler went out or anything like that. But eventually, God made it very clear it was time for us to go get our own building. And um, it just, the miracles happened after that. Like, you know, with this building here, we couldn't get a bank to give us a loan. And so the, 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 the realtor called, and we never put an offer on it because I couldn't, I couldn't get it. We had looked at a lot of different buildings. This was the best building we looked at. And finally, the realtor called me one day, and he says, the people that own the building, they really want to get you guys in here because, you know, the marijuana companies wanted it. They're on every corner around here. They wanted this building, and um, they didn't want to sell it to them because it was a church headquarters that owned it. And they said, what can we do to get you in there? And I said, well, I can't get a loan. He goes, that's all. I don't know this man. He lives in the Detroit area. He had just, he was a real estate agent. He just showed us the building two times. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I can't get along. He said, hold on. Needless to say, he talks to his wife. Him and his wife bought this building, you guys. <laughs> Guy that's never met us, lives down in the Detroit area, simply because when he went on two different tours with us and could hear me going, well, we could do this in this room, and this is how we could help the community in here. And this, is, and this was a Christian man that was like, Bay City needs somebody who has that building to do all these things for the community. And he sold it just to the church on land contract, so none of us had to sign personally for this building. That's God. Isn't that amazing? We were able to get the rental all cleaned up and get somebody in there so the state pays rent on that. Um, now we have a, another younger couple in there, but when we first moved in, we had an income from the rental to cover the mortgage, so then we could just take whatever came in and put it back out into the community. And so that's why I'm your pastor today. It wasn't because I just had to be in a pulpit and I had to like just share all this with you. It literally has been a decade of me arguing with God and him putting me in positions to say, this is my word, and I need you to share it with God's people. And so here I am, all these years later, and we have just seen miracle after miracle. I could sit here for an hour and tell you miracles that have happened. And sometimes they're little ones, but there's still evidence that that's God doing that. Isn't God amazing? Amen. Well, I hope that something today has touched your heart and that you have felt his presence. And you know, sometimes we come to church expecting one thing, but it's kind of like being part of a family, right? Sometimes you go out to dinner and it's not about you, right? It's about the big brother's graduation and you feel like you didn't get a word in edgewise. Well, today it was about honoring Pastor Nicole, Pastor Sarah, you know, getting back to our roots and saying, you know, you know, why am I the pastor? Why am I here? And um, so thank you all. I had a message. I was going to read you the parable of Jesus. So I'll pray about it and see if um, we'll share that parable next week or if he's got something else in store for us. But can I pray for all of you? Father God, I thank you for this congregation, for their willingness to come out today to hear your word and to be in your presence. Many of them are believing for a miracle. I just ask you right now in the name of Jesus just to grant that request. I pray for the worship team that wasn't able to come down or those in the sound booth or ushering that couldn't come down to have that touch of agreement. May they know that I'm agreeing with them, that they will receive a miracle. Father God, I thank you for every single person here. 
that you will watch over them this week, that they will feel your presence, they will know how much you love them, that they will know that there's a church family of people who are here simply out of obedience and love and care for this community, and that they can be a part of that every single week, every single day, that they can call the church at any time, that there are people here that care about them and love them and will be praying for them. Watch over them in all that they do. Bless them, Father God. May I see them again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful week. The Blessing Shop is open. And definitely check out the welcome booth. I think Rebecca will probably be back there if you need anything. Um, Grab what you need. God bless.